and minimalists. <laughs> Live from the Gramercy Theater, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists Live in Manhattan! Woo! <laughs> You know what, we, uh, I remember the very first time we had a tour stop in New York, it was in Queens, and it was like, <laughs> welcome to, to Queens, and it was like in this little deli, and then I think a lot of people, like, because we just said New York City, right, because we're from Dayton, Ohio, and it's, it's, you know, it's New York, and we just said New York City, and we didn't, like, really hint that it was at Queens and a lot of people were afraid to drive out to Queens because it was a long drive or long train ride or bus ride or whatever. It was raining that day. But it was still one of our biggest tour stops. I think 12 people showed up that day and um, we, we certainly made the best of it. Um, this is our, our eighth tour in seven years and this is the first time we've ever done three nights in one city. Thank you so much for being here tonight. For those of you who are uninformed, the, for the new cult members that are here tonight, um, we um, actually, so just so I don't freak out anyone, this isn't a cult or a religion. Um, we left our dogma at the door. Uh, but uh, we usually just take phone calls, but it'd be weird if you whipped your phone out and, and called us while we're on stage. So there's a microphone right here in the center here. If you want to line up, you can ask us some questions. We, oh, look, they've... They've illuminated the audience. You all look very angelic this evening. And uh, we're, gonna answer, we're gonna answer your questions, so you can come on up. Um, we'll try to get to six or seven of them if possible. So if a line of 40 forms, I can't, I can't really help. I'll, I'll apologize beyond seven. How's it going, brother? What's your name? Uh, my name's Brian. Just wanted hey, to say thanks. I've been a minimalist for about 15 years, and uh, I've been preaching silently to my family. <laughs> And now I have somebody that I can share a podcast with and send articles to friends and family and just wanted to say thank you. Oh, thank you, um, Brian. Where are you from? New Jersey. Oh, welcome. All right. Jersey's in the house. Uh, you guys talk a lot about the 300,000 items. And if you do some math, that means each of us have about 96,000 things. So if you got rid of 90% of that, it's still quite a bit of stuff. I agree so, with you. Yeah, it, that, that number 90% is uh is a number that i probably got rid of within the course of those first eight months and i continued to call but also continue to bring things into my life very deliberately now and so for me it wasn't about like just deprivation right it wasn't like well now that i'm a minimalist i'm never going to bring anything else in my life in fact i tried that once when we first started the website uh this was so december 2010 yeah t december 2010 about seven years ago um I don't believe in New Year's resolutions normally, but Ryan and I had already put a bunch of stuff on, up on the site, and I'm like, I don't have anything to write about now. Well, I guess I'll just do a New Year's resolution, and we're the minimalists, so I'm just not going to buy anything for a year. How hard can that be? <laughs> and you get like three hours into it, and you just start like itching like a, a consumption addict. And um, I, I realized pretty quickly, like, that I changed my mind frame. Really about the four-month period, there was this weird thing that happened. I, you go to a store and you see, you know, a mug that you want to buy. Like, oh, that's a really nice mug. And yeah, I've got enough mugs already, but I really like that one. And of course, I could afford it in my head. And even if 
I, even if though I had debt, I couldn't actually conform, afford it in my head. I'm like, well, I've got a credit card or several. I can just put it on the credit card. It's not a problem. Well, I found with this experiment, I'd go into the store and I'd say, oh, that's a really nice mug. I think I'll, oh, wait, shit, I, I can't buy it. Okay. And then that happened for the next month or so. And the next time I'd go or next time I'd go, it, it, it would change just slightly. Like, oh, that's a really nice mug. Yep. And then I go next time, oh, that's a really nice mug. And the thing that happened to me is I was able to start appreciating things without the need to consume, purchase, own, acquire, obtain the thing for myself. I had access to its beauty or whatever without needing to have the thing if it wasn't necessarily useful for me. And I don't even think that was your question, but I'm No I'm question. Just to thank you very much for adding value to everybody here and the oh. millions around the world. So. Thank you, brother. Appreciate Thanks, Brian. You. Appreciate it, dude. Howdy. Wait, what's your name? I got a question for Brian real quick. Do people, when you introduce yourself as Brian, does anyone ever confuse it for Ryan? Okay. So it's not just... Oh, okay, because when I introduce myself as Ryan, people always mistake it for Brian. I wonder if it worked the other way. All right, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> What's your name, brother? I'm Kyle Ivey. What, what is it? Kyle Ivey. Hey, Kyle. Nice hey, to meet welcome. you, man. Where are you from? I'm originally from Las Vegas, Nevada. Cool. Uh, I went to school. Hey, yeah. Woo. <laughs> uh, went to school at the University of Cincinnati, and I just moved here oh, in July. I love UC. Bear- UC. Go Bearcats. Bearcats. Anyway, yeah. all right. <laughs> Uh, all right, so my question, I wrote it down. Um, so through your podcast and documentary, I've learned that being intentional is a daily practice. Uh, like any daily practice, there'll be moments of success and failure. In those moments of failure, whether they last a minute, a couple hours, or a number of days, it's easy to get down on yourself and beat yourself up for failing. When you fail to be intentional, is there something like a phrase or a mantra you tell yourself to recommit to intentionality and not be so hard on yourself? I just keep repeating, you stupid idiot. You stupid idiot. <laughs> the hell is wrong with you, stupid idiot? <laughs> Kids don't try this at home. Yeah, don't do that. No, I, you know what, man? I, <laughs> being one of the minimalists, like I'm still not perfect, man, believe it or not. And, you know, when in the beginning of the talk where I'm like, hey, you know, this life that I'm, I'm trying to paint for you, this is not a perfect life. It's not even an easy life, but a simple one. I mean, that is very intentional. Because Josh and I are not offering perfection. Our story does not lead to, uh, to, to, the, to, this, to this perfect or even easy life. In fact, I don't think anyone in this room could really replicate my recipe or, or even Josh's recipe. It's, it's, it's two different recipes, and we really hope that there are some ingredients here that y'all can, can walk away from, you know? But at the end of the day, um, I do have this, and I think a lot of people here in this room probably have this like idea of they want to live this perfect life. And it has taken me several years to get to this point where I've accepted the fact that, hey, I'm not perfect. Like I, I am not going to ever be perfect. And really for me, it's, it's uh, I wrote this um, essay about more wins than losses. And, you know, I used to screw up all the time. Uh, 60, 70, 80 hour a week work weeks. So I was just like, go, 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 go. And then when I get home, it was like, okay, how can I like come down off of this as fast as possible? So then, you know, I'm hitting the bar and I'm, I'm racking up $3 bar tabs. Uh, I'd call up a friend depending on, you know, what drug I wanted to do. Like I'd pick which friend I was going to call. 
Um, I, I hardly ever spent any time with the people who really should have been closest to me. Like, you know, I would say they were closest to me, but my actions didn't really show that. And, you know, when I, when I look at my life now, I still screw up, man. But for me, uh, it, it's, a, it's about having more wins than it is losses. And, and I guess if I could say that a different way, I'd say, like, my, my short-term actions, they, they align by and far uh, with my, my long-term values and beliefs. And that is what I shoot for. When I do screw up, um, then I will have to go out of my way to change my state. Like um, uh, Mariah and I, uh, my, my partner Mariah, we, we've done some traveling this year and there was a certain point where like we were traveling and we're seeing friends, we're having a good time and we're hanging out with family. And I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, we've been drinking like every day for like the last 30, 45 days. And it's not like we were getting plastered, but it was, you know, it was, it was excessive. And I, I talked to Mariah about it. I'm like, we got to do something different. Like we have to maybe like, let's just, let's just not drink for a little bit. And we took a month off. We, we, we planned on taking a month off. It was about 45 days um, is what it turned into. But what, what we do is, uh, especially having like an awesome partner like Mariah, it helps me to kind of keep my life in check. So if you screw up, man, like don't feel bad. If you get those impulses, don't feel bad. Like, dude, talk about impulses. Man, when like all those new iPhones came out the other day, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, man, that look, those look awesome. <laughs> and you know, my first instinct is like, oh yeah, I, like my iPhone is a few, it's a few models old. Like maybe I'll, maybe I'll go ahead and, you know, get an upgrade. Let me, you know, let me look into how much it would cost me to upgrade. And I have rules in place that kind of help me from falling back like that. So, you know, if I'm ever going to spend over a hundred bucks, like I typically will wait a week, especially for a gadget. I might even wait two weeks and just really do some research and see what that new gadget's going to do for me. Um, but at the end of the day, I can look at it and say, you know, yeah, my iPhone, it's, it's, uh, it's a few models old, but it does everything I need it to do. And like this new version of it isn't going to do anything additional. It's not going to add any additional value. So if, if thanks <laughs> for all of you cringing and twitching for that like new iPhone, <laughs> just think about it. But no, um, yeah, I would say the rules you have in your life are definitely going to help you. And when you do fall short, like don't beat yourself up, man. Take, take the next hour or maybe it's the next day. And, and, and get yourself back on your feet. And having good people around you, like that's always going to help you live a better life. Yeah. When Ryan says don't feel bad, I'll just delineate. I think there's like a good kind of bad and a bad kind of bad. I'm starting to sound like Donald Rumsfeld. But yeah. the, there's the known knowns and the known no, oh, unknowns and the known unknown. <laughs> no, um, uh, I, th I think... There, some of the when you when you when any of us mess up we feel some sort of pain sadness anger discontent whatever it may be and i think that pain can be good those emotions can often be good uh, when they're bad is when it turns into suffering and so i usually will let myself i want myself to feel the pain because the pain means something messed up i did something wrong or i can learn a lesson from this what is that lesson is the question i'm going to ask myself and, and then uh, in order to avoid the the long term or the prolonged suffering um the phrase I always use, and I employ it a lot, is, and in fact, when people often 
tweet us and they're like, hey, how do I do this? Or I'm really struggling with this item or this. And I've always forwarded them to the same essay. And it's just three words. Let it go. And, and that's it. And now with that damn Frozen song, Ella's always singing it. And so uh, she's constantly reminding me to let it go as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, brother, what's your name? My name is Manan. Welcome. Where are you from? Thank you. Uh, from New Jersey. Recently moved to New York. Jersey? <laughs> yeah. We need to do a tour. You know, there's like, there's like seven states. There, okay, so there are seven states we haven't done a tour stop in, and New Jersey is one of them. We will have to make it happen. Please come. First of all, I wanted to thank you for first making off the doc, uh, first off making the documentary. I saw it last year, and it was very inspired to start thank you. Uh, implementing some of the pearls of wisdom that you guys send out in the emails. I look forward to Thanks, those. Man. I have a very hectic schedule, but I really appreciate those one-liners you have on just some of those questions that you answer. Thank you. So please continue doing that. Um, I had two questions, one kind of important and the other one kind of short, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, the longer one was about uh, the idea of free stuff. My father always raised me not to take free stuff growing up, and uh, a role model of mine also explained to me that um, taking free stuff kind of, in one sense, erodes the idea that you're capable of getting that thing. It might take hard work and effort and time and patience, but it's worth it in the end. So don't take it for free. And even, even as something as small as, I don't know, a free muffin or something, even something as small as that, my father always said, don't take it. Work for it. Um, do you feel like our culture of having a lot of freebies, say, in the malls, in the stores, even at the workplace, um, undermines minimalism and would you say that the two are reconcilable, meaning you can be a minimalist but still take free stuff? Yeah, you could definitely take some free stuff, but here's the caveat. Um, and, and, and so I'll give you an example. Um, so afterward, we, we sell books, and we've written three books about minimalism. Now, by the way, when you call yourselves the minimalist, everything you do is instantly blanketed by a sheet of irony. Um, and, and so we have three different books that we, we sell out there, but also what we tell folks, and I'll tell you this right now, if you didn't bring your wallet or you just can't afford a book and you feel like you would get value from it, then please let us buy you one. We'll be happy to buy you one. But it's not actually free in the greater sense of the word. That book is free monetarily, but it's also going to take up more of your precious resources. If you're actually going to read it, it's going to take up your attention, which is the most precious resource you have. It's going to take up hours of your time. And so when we say free, we often talk about the cost of the thing without thinking about all the additional costs that are embedded beyond the price tag. And that's the same thing when we buy something as well. It's, it's not just the price on the price tag. It's the price for the extra chargers and the stands and the batteries and you got to put the gas in the thing and change the thing's oil and, and of course you have to clean the thing and maintain the thing and store this thing you have to have extra space for the thing these are all costs so it's not actually free it goes well beyond the price tag now in the beginning of his answer he said you can buy stuff i just want to let you know in any of you here you can do whatever the hell you want <laughs> I mean, this is, like, this is Josh and I's recommendations, if anything. I mean, we don't make rules behind minimalism. But I totally agree with Josh. I mean, taking something for free, there's so much, uh, there's more cost that goes along, along with that. I have to agree with your dad, though. Like, yes, like working for something. Like, if someone would have just, 
dropped the minimalists, you know, into my lap at, uh, when I was in the corporate world at, you know, 25 years old, I would have been like, cool. Like, I don't know what to do with this now. Like, but, but, you know, getting to this point, like Josh and I have worked really hard to, to, uh, share our story and to like spread this message. And, um, I was actually having a conversation earlier down in the, in the green room about how this has been such a natural transgression. It's not like we went from five people and then the next, you know, all of a sudden it was 500. I mean, it was like five and then maybe 15 and, you know, so forth and so on. It was a very nice transition and it was really awesome to put in the work to, to really make this happen. So I, yeah, I totally agree with your dad, but you know, to say, to say no all the time, to say never ever to free stuff, I think is, 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 uh, for me, it's a little too extreme because, you know, if someone wants to buy me a meal and, uh, they're, I can just tell that they're trying to be, do a nice gesture and trying to be a good friend, then you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give them that opportunity to gift me a meal and then I will pay it forward somewhere else along the line. So yeah, uh, it's totally cool. Uh, for us to get free stuff, man, um, don't beat yourself up if <laughs> if you take a, a free whatever. But yeah, just be deliberate with with anything that you're bringing into your life, and it it's not just stuff, man. I mean, whether it's a relationship or a dinner date or anything, man, like just be very deliberate with it. Thank you. All right, before we get to your question, real quick, for the people who are listening to this at home, if you have a comment or a tip for anyone who asked us a question today or about any of the nonsense that we're spewing on the stage, um, you can give us a call, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. It's my favorite part of the show is the very end where we shut up and, and people call in and leave their tips because I learn a lot, and then over time, I'm able to repurpose those, and I, my answers get better over time because it's like I've developed a superpower just by listening to other people. So uh, I get to listen to a bunch of other perspectives as well. And that's one of the reasons we're on the road. So at the end of each episode, we, we put you know, a handful of, of listener comments as well. Ryan, do you know what time it is? Yeah, man. It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round where, well, we usually answer questions from social media. But that would be weird if we were on our phones while you're all here. Yeah, we're, we're usually on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, at The Minimalists. And uh, Jessica Lynn Williams is running around here tonight. Let's give her a round of applause. She handles all of our social media. <laughs> Woo! You saw her take She a, also does my hair before the show. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, uh, you, you saw her taking pictures earlier. She's also live tweets a lot of the answers that we have throughout these events. You can find those on Twitter or any of the other platforms. You can share your photos and stuff tonight using the hashtag less is now and we re- repost some of our favorites. That's the name of the tour. So you can give us a regular question and we'll ramble on until we get something pithy to, to give you. So you're basically going to get a regular answer with a bow on the top. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Elena. Hey, Elena. Welcome. Where are you from? Nice to meet you. Northville, Michigan. Welcome. That's a hell of a drive. (laughs) I have been transplanted in New York for about five years. Nice. I'm from Northville, Michigan. Are you loving it? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel that way about some cities, too. It's okay. What's your question? There's a lot that I'll miss when I leave, is usually the way that I put that. Um, so I'm generally young, especially in New York standards. And something that I notice when you guys speak is that you're kind of at a kind of at the top of a mountain in a lot of ways. You got to hit a goal and stand up there and say, "I 
got the thing that I thought that I wanted and now I'm looking down and I have a choice to make. Um, the other thing that I noticed is that you were very genuinely unhappy in the way that you tell it, um, in the situation that you found yourself in. But what would you say for a young person who's vaguely on a path that they're generally interested in, that doesn't make them entirely unhappy, but maybe isn't the thing? What's the advice to someone that's in that situation that doesn't have the power to use the street cred later to say, well, I did it all and now I just walked away? To explain to themselves and then also to their family members a decision that kind of goes against everything that they've been doing for, say, five years in New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sit around five years asking for a friend. Yeah, so so, so here's, here's, uh, here's a pithy answer and maybe I'll unpack it a little bit here. Uh, You'll never hit the mark if you're aiming at the wrong target. And I think that's what was true with me. Like I was an expert sharp shooter, but I was aiming in the complete wrong direction. I was really good. I, I was outstanding at a job that I didn't hate, but it certainly didn't align with my values. And, and so I needed to find something that did. Man. Um you know, I would say that Josh and I have had like the the opportunity to kind of the opportunity to be on both sides of the spectrum, right? And it was because we started on one extreme side of the spectrum that we were like, okay, well, it's got to be the other side that's going to make us happy. Um, there's nothing wrong with uh, you know having a good job and and making a good, a good income. So, you know, we're not advocating that people just walk away from a great income and, and a great job or, or anything like that. Where, where Josh and I are, are really trying to reach people's hearts, it's the people who are living a life that, well, I should, living a discontented life. So, oh man, now I don't have a pithy answer. No, I got this. Um... What I would say is, uh, poor, uh, being poor. <laughs> let me let me let me rewind that. <laughs> Sean, edit. The, make sure you edit this really nice and clean. Um, now, what I would say is, uh, uh, being poor doesn't buy happiness. Neither does being rich. The only thing that's going to make you happy is doing things that you love. So to unpack that, um, if you're unhappy right now, then, you know, figure out some things that really light up your life and like really make you feel like you're living for a purpose. Hold on, real and, quick, and, real quick. What, you know, what are you discontented about right now? <laughs> so um, I work in biomedical research and I got a job that I was really jazzed about um, to start and I do research on TB. So I get to wear a fancy hazmat suit and a respirator and... Um, Basically, what it turns into is I go to work and I throw plastic away all day and then I leave work and that makes me feel horrible. And so it's kind of making me think I'd like a career or something to negate all of the plastic that I've thrown away. That's, that's great because that's exactly where I was going before Josh interrupted me. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is, is find something that does make you tick and it does because we all have this like, we're all, we all grow up with this idiom, especially in Western culture. If, if you find something you love and you do it every day, you never work a day in your life, it's bullshit. It is complete bullshit. 
Now, I'm not saying there's a, there might be someone in this crowd or a few people in this crowd who are living that, but it is not a, a, a great expectation for every single person. So what I would say is even though you might be doing something that uh, is not your dream, love, passion, but it's still putting lights on and it's still putting food on the table, that's okay. But find something outside of that. How can you counteract that uh, outside of work? What can you do additionally that is going to is, is going to give you purpose. You don't have to have a job that you wake up every day and expect unicorns and rainbows to like welcome you in your room. I mean, again, that's just not it's just not a realistic expectation. But what you can do is do things that still make you feel really good about yourself when you when you go to sleep at night. Yeah. So one more pithy thing for you: don't confuse excitement with passion. We often get excited about something and we, we instantly think we're going to be passionate about it, but it's not the same thing. Real passion comes from drudgery. It comes from hard work. It comes from the dip and the, the, the unexciting parts of that passion work, that project, passion project, that creativity. Usually when I'm writing, I want to put my head through a wall until I get to the other side. And that's where real passion is. Thank you. Thank you. I wish you way more than luck, lady. Thanks. Yeah. Are you going to ask for a hug? No. Okay. I'm like, we are really setting the wrong tone here for the rest of our events. Because the answer is yes. <laughs> um, but I did want to say thank you for two things. One, for affecting my life. And uh-huh. two, for doing part of that in Montana. Mm. Because my boyfriend is from there. He had no interest in watching the documentary. And then when he saw the first few scenes, he was like, is that Missoula? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it um, turned him on to something that he wouldn't have been otherwise. So. Awesome. Thank little, you. Little things. Thank you, for the, thank thank you, you for the compliments. Have a great night. Howdy. What's your name? Hi, my name is Brittany. Hey, Brittany. Um, my question for you is how did you transition from the corporate world to more of a minimalist lifestyle with taking on negativity from other people, saying that that's, you shouldn't do that, that's not the right path. How did you um, deal with that? How did you know in yourself that you were making the right decision? So, so when, when, when you make a change, there are often people who would judge that change. And I've come to learn over the years that judgment is just a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. There's your pithy answer. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I will tell you that when I first told people I was going to start writing, when I was walking away from this crazy, you know, I was director of operations for a ton of retail stores, and I told people I was going to be a writer, and I actually had one of my bosses, a former boss, say to me, well, if everyone could just be a writer then or if anyone could be a writer then everyone would do it and i just looked at him for a second i said you realize there are people who make a living from writing right it's like this is i'm not going to be the first one to crack this this nut here uh, th- there are plenty of people who have figured out that equation and, and so what i what i had to learn is that people's judgments about me was just it was really telling me more about the other person and i had to be willing to to let that go yeah, let me tell you, when you call yourselves the minimalists, you find out really quickly who your friends are. And I was really, it was, it was really upsetting. Uh, a lot of people in the corporate world, a lot of friends who um, 
they saw me making these changes and yeah, like they weren't the most supportive people. But I guess like my pithy answer would be this. Uh, when you live up to your true self, you find out quickly who your friends are. And that's not a bad thing. Thank you guys. Um, really quickly. What's that? Really quickly, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I'm only 20, so I'm very, very young. And I started trying to transition a little bit here and there into minimalism. And the reason I asked that question is because I have people around me that were just very not open to the idea. And just from watching you guys, and I swear I can like repeat your documentary at this point, but just watching you guys, it's so inspiring to see that you came from what most people see as their ideal place in life. And you felt that that wasn't what you wanted and you were strong enough to move past that. And I really am so amazed by that. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you for being here. I gotta say to her and the young lady before her, like you have so much more of a head start than Josh and I. So like you're already way ahead of us. So keep up the great work. All right, we're in a moment. We'll have time for two more questions. I'll apologize to the other folks in line, but before we get to the, these other questions, real quick, I uh, want to move on to an added value segment. This is where Ryan and I talk about things that have added value to our lives recently. It can be physical things. It can be experiences. It could. It can be some widget, I suppose. We've recommended widgets before, haven't we? I think so. I think we have. What about those, the, the earphones that we use? That's a widget. Uh, anyway, um, I know, so in 20, 2014, we, uh, we did this crazy 100-city tour, and we were all along the East Coast, pretty much starting in New York, all the way up to Providence and, and, and Boston and uh, Maine and then Halifax. Ryan was on the lobster tour of, uh, <laughs> of 2014. And there's I'm one still place on that tour right now, actually. You, there's a place you <laughs> always back come back to, man. Yeah. Uh, no, it, you know, I hate chains. Like, I don't want to say hate chains. I just find that, like, mostly a, a lot of the chains I eat at, like, when I think of chain restaurants, I think of Applebee's and TGI Fridays and Ruby Tuesdays. And I'm sure, like, they have some good meals. But, uh, you know, it's the local places that I really, really enjoy, like the mom and pop places. I feel like when I visit those places, uh, there are people there who like actually care and they're like kind of giving everything to it. So the, what I'm gonna recommend is a little bit of a chain, but it's freaking awesome. Uh, Luke's Lobster. My God. Like it is, I've eaten lobster rolls in many cities, let me tell you. And like that is, it is, it is one of, what is one of the best. Well, I, um, while Ryan was on the lobster tour, I was on the coffee tour. Actually, we're both on the coffee tour. And I love, I love finding new places. And this is honestly the first time this has happened to me. I was, and it's just a few blocks from here. I was looking for a good coffee place around here. I knew there would be a bunch. But there was one that just opened two weeks ago. And it was called Black Press Espresso, or Black Press Coffee. And um, I had some espresso there. That's why. Uh, anyway. Um, and like the aesthetic was beautiful and, and you never know with like these new shops, they're still getting stuff dialed in, but oh my God, it was amazing. For those of you visiting New York or Manhattan specifically from, uh, from somewhere else for, or from, from Jersey, Jersey. Um, or if you're, if you're listening to this at home and you're coming to, the, to Manhattan, maybe give them a shot. I had a really great experience there. I had great, great service as well. 
Dolly, what's your name? Hi. Hi. I'm Rachel. Hey, Rachel. You're killing me because I really have to pee, so that segment was rough. <laughs> um, and I am from New Jersey. No, I'm, yeah. not. I'm not. I'm from Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. <laughs> I am from Connecticut. Um, so I'm here with my best friend. Anyone? Today. Is Connecticut in the house? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here with my best friend like you guys, and she actually just turned 30 and also just got engaged, so... Congratulations, congratulations to, wherever to her. she is, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's a really pivotal point in her life, and so we kind of approach this from a, a good standpoint. It was like, you know, not what can I get for you, what can we do together? So that was sweet, and that brought us here, which is great. Cool. Uh, we love your documentary. Thanks. So um, we both kind of fall victim to retail therapy, <laughs> and you know we sh we struggle with it, and we both try to better ourselves in our lives, and it kind of ends up, you know, did your boyfriend ask for a raise yet, and are you going to become a nurse? What kind of salary? Are you? you know, and I'm a real estate agent, so it's how many sales did you get? And uh, we've kind of been transitioning that. So um, when I clean my room, I think of you guys a lot. And, you know, the, the electronic box. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool, though, because the box matches my room. Like, you know, color scheme. But I don't need it and stuff like that. But there's this one thing that I look at all the time that I'm like, you know, I never look at this unless I'm dusting it. And it's my bookshelf. But on that bookshelf are things that kind of, I'm, I'm very passionate, sentimental, emotional. So although I never really pay much mind to it, I, I look at these things and I'm like, you know, these are photographs of me as a child, with my cousins and as a baby and these sweet birthday parties that my mother held for me as a kid. And th those are sweet and I can save those on a computer, right? But then I see these like picture frames that are these little teddy bears and you know these sweet things that my mom got for me as a baby and Aww. I'm like oh it's so freaking ugly but at the same time you know when I do dust it once in a while um, it, it tears at my heartstrings so those things that I know I don't need and I know mm. I don't want but they still evoke emotion from me how. Do you disconnect from those? Well, let me ask you a question. Like, right now, if you just got to, like, you went to the bathroom. <laughs> Which I would love. <laughs> you get a phone call. It's like, hey, um, I hate to tell you this, but that shelf in your room, like, it has spontaneously combusted. And everything on it, everything else is fine, but that shelf is, is, is gone. Like, how would that make you feel? Really? Half thank God, half like, oh. <laughs> but. Well, the, the reason why I asked that. Or thank God. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and that's why I asked that question. Because yeah. if there's something in, inside you that's saying, hey, like this is, this is something that I want to get rid of. But there's, there's some element that's making you hold on to it. But, but that, that first feeling is, is, is way more prominent. Like, that is a clear sign that something has to change. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. Okay. I want you to pick one thing off that, off that shelf. And, like, take a picture of it. And then go put it in the trash. And if you can't sleep tonight, and you get up tomorrow, and you're like, I cannot sleep. Like, I totally threw away that hair breadth that I had when I was five years old, and I couldn't sleep. Before you go and get it out of the trash... Like, just look at that picture and see how it makes you feel. But I promise you, like, it's not, 
it's not going to be as bad as you think. I mean, that's kind of a human condition. We always make things worse than what they are. Mm-hmm. We also make them better than what they are too. But yeah. it's a different conversation. That's, that's a different question. But uh, try that one experiment and just see how it feels. Uh, but get some kind of momentum going because there's obviously something here that's saying like, yes, you need to get rid of some of that stuff. So just try that one thing. I would love to know how it goes. Do, are you on Twitter? Okay, if not, no worries. <laughs> That's fine. Hit us up on Instagram or something. Just tag us. In, I don't know. There's a lot of social media stuff out there. I'm sure you yeah, do one I of them. Yeah, I used to be on Twitter. It wasn't a good idea. Okay, if you're on Facebook, <laughs> if you're on Facebook, that's fine. But I would really right. like to know how it goes. Let me know. Yeah, I, I'll let and, you know. And, awesome. And real quick. So we last night we were in in Philadelphia. Yeah. I feel like I could say any city right now. <laughs> Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we were in Philadelphia, and you, so you know, during my talk, I talk about how any of you could just you could go home tonight, you could rent a gigantic dumpster and throw all your stuff in it and be miserable. And and the the couple came up to me after the event. They said we didn't really listen to that part because we actually did rent the dumpster, and we put it on the side of our house, and we just started like over the course of several days, we were just we went we got overzealous. We started throwing all the stuff in it, and then there was a dumpster fire. And our house burned down because we were minimizing. <laughs> and then she looked at me, like, just looked at me. And she goes, I want to thank you. Because the only thing I thought about was I need to save my children's life. None of this stuff actually matters. Yeah. Thanks for your question. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here. Now good go pee. Lu- yeah, good luck in the bathroom. You're welcome. <laughs> Howdy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Hey. I feel like I'm talking to the Beyonce's of uh, minimalism right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really want to sing Beyonce, but that would be really bad for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, Max, I think that means you're Jay-Z. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my partner Rebecca is here tonight. I have never seen a man so happy with someone. So, yeah, she's pretty awesome. <laughs> Amen. Hi. Okay. So, um, kind of. I feel like you're Solange in this in this analogy. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, okay. So, kind of piggybacking off of our last question from Rachel. Um, I'm obsessed with pictures. I have over 7,200 pictures on my iPhone right now, and that goes to show you on my laptop. On my external hard drives, I have like tens of thousands of pictures. So, mm-hmm. um, how do you suggest going through and minimalizing my photo library and moving forward when I'm like out and I have the urge to take 10,000 pictures with like me and my friends? <laughs> um, how do you think I should best stop myself from doing that and being more mindful and in the moment? I think there, there are two things to do for the first part with managing the existing horde of digital photography which is easier to deal with than the physical photography, right? Because you actually have to scan those and digitize them before you can deal with them. So you're already one step ahead. So that's the good news. Uh, There are two things you can do. First question I have for you is how many pictures are on the internet? A lot. Yeah, we we don't know. It's it's a functionally infinite number of pictures, right? And so one thing you could do is just remove all the photos from your device, put them on the cloud somewhere, and just let it go. And realize if you ever absolutely wanted access to it, it's 
basically on the internet, your own private internet. That's the easy way to deal with it. Now, if you want to catalog it, you can do what I do because I have OCD and, and you, you can name each photograph. So what you'll do in that process, um, it, what I did with like the scanning party stuff, if I have a photo of me and Ryan and Bex, what I'll do is I'll write JFM, Ryan, Bex, and then the, the month that I took the photo. And that way I can just sort of look really quickly through, actually I put the month first, so anyway, um, <laughs> I can tell when I took the photo and then who's, who's in, in that photo, and, and that's the way that I do it, and then I'll store it on an external hard drive and I have a, a backup in the cloud, but what that also forces me to do is delete a whole bunch of pictures that I don't want to have, I'm not going to type a description on this stupid picture, delete, and so it makes that a lot easier. Uh, going forward, however, I have a really good friend who's a photographer, and uh, he and I were having a conversation maybe two years ago, and he was contemplating going back to, a, a, to real film. Instead of, instead of having a digital camera, he said, because he had done film before and he knew that he had a limited amount and it was expensive for him to take every photo he took cost him physical money, right? And, and so it made him more deliberate. And so what I started doing is I started being more deliberate with my digital photography. He and I had this discussion and I realized like, well, wait a minute, I can just because he said, you know, whenever I, I'll just snap one photo instead of taking the 30 photos or whatever, I'll be more deliberate with that one, one photo. And I'm doing the same thing. And even if there's like a, a thumb in the photo, it's like, well, that's my one photo. I took it and, and, and here it is. Even though it's digital, I could take another one if I really wanted to. But it's, uh, I find being deliberate that way makes me pause before, before I take the picture. Yeah. Uh, man, God, you waited really long to organize this stuff. It's a lot of pictures. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it's going to be really hard to go through all those right now. So, we don't, Josh and I don't promise easy, though. <laughs> and if, you, if those are truly important photos to you, um, I think there's probably somewhere in between like cataloging every single picture and then just dumping them all in the cloud. Uh, what I have is like, I can scroll through the year. So maybe just do bulk like per year, but it's still gonna take you a while to go through 7,500 pictures. So uh, my first piece of advice is prepare to do a lot of work, get yourself organized. But then from there, you've gotta have a system in place that, that is going to be easy for you. And maybe that is cataloging every single picture. Yeah. But for me, um, and I learned this actually uh, uh, from, from Josh, who, if he's out somewhere, he, he might try to take a picture, and it's, and it's just a picture. And like that, again, like sometimes you get the thumb in there. Like I was, dude, I saw Totality not too long ago. Where were Ryan's you the resident hippie of the day. Where, where were you guys for Totality, man? No, I'm talking about the solar eclipse. They can't see the sky in New York City. <laughs> so, like, I'm watching the eclipse, and, and I was like, I'm going to try and get a picture of this. And I, I pulled the phone out, and, like, the phone does not take a good picture of the sun, <laughs> even when the moon's in front of it. <laughs> and I was like, snap, that sucks. But then, like, I spent the next two and a half minutes, like, just enjoying totality, man. <laughs> 
I don't know why that's so funny to me, dude, but it really is. Uh, but yeah, just just incorporate good habits moving forward, and, and you're going to have to do a lot of work up front, but I promise you it'll be worth it when you get through it. Here's a pithy thing for you. Um, um, the picture shouldn't supplant the experience. That's great. Thank you guys so much. You're awesome. Oh, I want to thank the theater for having us here tonight. What about the Gramercy Theater? Thank you so much for having us. Oh, and there's uh, one other person I want to thank tonight, and, and that person is you. You spent some money to get in here, and we're grateful for that. But you gave up your time and your attention, and we're even more grateful for that. Thank you for spending the evening with us. If you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Manhattan. We love you. Thank you. The Minimalists. <laughs>